0: This is the all-sports podcast
1: devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. We want to welcome everyone to our ballsy podcast. Uh, We have a special segment today. We're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm David Moore. Uh, A coup has taken place. Thankfully, uh, we have gotten rid of Kevin Sherrington and Evan Grant, both who hoard microphones to an extent where it's difficult to allow anyone else near them. But since the coup has taken place, they are no longer here, and we are welcoming in chuck carlton who covers colleges for the dallas morning news thank you chuck for coming on today
0: hey thanks for having me david appreciate it so yeah this is that time of year where office productivity goes down to about zero this week i think (laughs) everybody has a boss button everybody is trying to figure out hey this is belmont should i should i not yes uh um so, and this is also a time where Texas Tech fans are all of a sudden going, hey, does this team have a chance to go back to the Elite Eight? You know, does Baylor have a chance to, you know, prove it has a better zone defense in Syracuse? And, you know, what about the, uh, the Baylor women, who are the number one overall seed? Of course, that should come with a spoiler alert, thanks, courtesy of ESPN.
1: Yes. But, yeah. Well, why don't we? Yeah. And uh, I want to touch a little bit and, and we'll go certainly uh, uh, view it from a Texas prism by and large as we look at the tournament here. And, and before we get to, to tech and, and what they've been able to build here recently and, and if and if there is a good reason to believe they can build on that even more. This year, what Baylor has done, uh, some of the other teams. Let, let's look at a couple of teams in Texas that that didn't get in, wow. and in UT and, and TCU. Now TCU was, uh, I think, certainly closer to getting in. Uh, well, why don't why don't we start there? I, I know they seemed uh, very surprised that 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 they were unable to get in this mm-hmm. year, but uh, it, it was stacking up, and I know they were close. They were right there on the fringe, but. Uh, were you surprised that TCU is not part of this field?
0: Uh, a little bit, but you could see it unfold. Quite honestly, um, there had been a whole debate, um, you know, this this season about the the shrinking mid majors. Uh, you know how the mid majors have been kept more than in half from, let's say, three years ago. Uh, in terms of what the committee was. And I think there was kind of a a grassroots sort of thing that, is this the right thing to do? And I think TCU got caught up in that, quite honestly, Uh, early in the broadcast. um, Belmont, which was predicted by a lot of people to be one of the last um, four, you know, one of the last four teams out, makes makes the field. Mm Mm-hmm. TCU, and and you look at that and go, it's a zero-sum game. Somebody's going to be left out. And in this case, it was going to be TCU. And what it came down to, in fact, TCU was behind North Carolina, Greensboro, and Alabama, according to the NCAA, in terms of being left out. So the third team left out, and what really hurt TCU was the strength of their non-conference schedule. As the committee breaks it down, you've got the, uh, you know, they look at you know, the Quadrant One wins, which is a formula based on home, road, and neutral about teams in the net rankings and where it comes in. And TCU had zero Quadrant One non-conference wins. Simply playing in the Big 12 wasn't enough. And and frankly, TCU had a horrible stretch late, mm-hmm. uh, lost to Oklahoma, lost to Oklahoma State, which you simply can't do, back-to-back, without... Now, admittedly, without Quat uh one of the better players, injured, but still, this was a team that didn't win enough. When you're sitting there at twenty and thirteen, it would have been a marginal team, probably starting in Dayton. And now they know, you know, toughen up that non-conference schedule under Jamie Dixon. Uh, you know, they have some good players coming back. They should be upper half of the Big Twelve but it's not a given that uh, you're going to be in the tournament.
1: Speaking of a given not in the tournament, uh, UT not in this year. And, and, and even beyond this year, we're Shaka Smart and and where this program is. How do you assess where UT basketball <laughs> is right now, and, and will there be any ramifications of them not making the tournament, do you think?
0: You know, I talked to um, – senior Kerwin Roach after the uh uh Texas was eliminated from the Big Twelve tournament uh against Kansas and pointed out hey, you've been with Shaka for four years. Uh right now Texas during that time is sixty six and sixty six. It's a five hundred team. Shaka is a five hundred coach. They were a five hundred team this year at sixteen and sixteen going into the NIT. And you're expecting some kind of pushback and instead you get his exact quote was, "Numbers don't lie." That's not what you want to hear from your senior <laughs> leader about the guy he's played for for four years. You know, um, that's that's almost an NBA type quote you would expect to hear. You know, the the ghost of Michael Ray Richardson. you know, yeah, not a ringing
1: endorsement.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a ringing endorsement. Numbers don't lie, and you know, I, I there is no reason to believe that Shock is Smart won't be back for fifth season in Texas, mainly because of a $13 million buyout, but the administration actually likes a lot of what he does. You know, he's he's not caught up in any scandal right now. He says all the right things. He he takes seriously the role of educator. Um, you know, doesn't rub anybody the wrong way. At the same time, um, he, he hasn't done it on the court. I mean, he had a 20-loss season his second year, Um He's looking at a situation where between Jared Allen, Mo Bamba, and maybe Jackson Hayes, depending on how how the knee injury is right now, he could have three consecutive one-and-done players without a single NCAA win. Do you realize how hard that is to do, to have that quality of talent, and not have an NCAA win? I mean, there's, you've got the 500 stat. Here's another one. Rick Barnes. Missed one NCAA tournament in 17 years at Texas, mm-hmm. and you know Shaka Smart right now is two two for four. You know, it, it's just not clicking for whatever reason. And there there is a you know the main theory is that the Shaka Smart that coached at BCU and, and gained that you know huge reputation uh, is not the same Shaka Smart at Texas.
1: In, in know, what respect, and how strategically, how he does it, or, or in what respect?
0: Yeah, uh, at, at VCU, he had the, you know, it was even trademarked the Havoc system, mm-hmm. full-court pressure, all over the map, that sort of thing. You know, the it was helter-skelter out there. Uh, a, a bunch of, maybe not, you know, highly recruited guys, but guys with athletics, a lot of guys between, you know, 6'3", a, a and... Six, eight guys who flew all over the court and got the job done, had fun playing, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and for whatever reason, he believed he could not get the kind of talent he would need to win at Texas uh, playing that kind of style. In fact, he acknowledged, you know, at Big 12 media days that season, that when he was recruiting Mo Bamba, who was a, you know, blue-chip seven-footer, he actually had to go and say, no, 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 we don't play this system anymore. Here's the, the the metric on the number of times we've you know we pressed because I was being used against Texas by Kentucky in the recruiting process. Kids, you know, the, the perception is that the elite players don't want to play that kind of style. They want to play a style that gets them ready for the pros. The trouble is that even though he's getting some of those elite guys, it hasn't been enough. So maybe he needs to go back to what's what's worked. There's always been that feeling. Or at least get better at coaching the the half court style that really has you know when you look at it they were horrible in close games this year mm-hmm. you know in two possession games or less yeah and that's just kind of come come back to bite them I, again they have a, a a solid recruiting class a top fifteen recruiting class but they've had that in the past coming in so um, you know if if Chuck Smart wasn't on the hot seat. This year, uh, he definitely will be starting next year.
1: Well, now that we've talked about TCU and, and Texas, two teams that won't be in the tournament, l- let's focus on uh, a few of the teams that will, and uh, l- let's let's hold back on Baylor for a bit because if, if Baylor does win that first game against Syracuse, they're they're probably looking at Gonzaga, who is is one of the better teams in this tournament but so let's start with texas tech and and just where they are and and uh how legitimate of a threat do you think they are and let's just let's just talk about the red raiders a little bit and and what should be expected from them uh in this tournament
0: i really think if the if the big 12 has a team that can go into the deep into the second weekend or maybe even that outside chance of a final four uh, strange as it sounds when we're talking about Texas Tech. Yeah, it's the Red Raiders. Uh, and, and this is a team that's only making its fourth consecutive back-to-back appearance in the tournament. We're not talking a whole lot of tradition here, yeah. you know, with all due respect to, you know, the, the 1996 team that, you know, got to the Sweet Six team and went 30 and 2 under James Dickey. But this is, you know, even for all the time launder Bob Knight, not that many great runs. In the tournament until last year, Chris Beard, former assistant under Knight, um, lifelong basketball guy, originally from the Dallas area, uh, a guy who's coached at everything from you know the the you know semi pro to junior colleges to Division two uh, kind of a nomadic existence since he left Knight's staff, but he's won every single place, and he took Texas Tech. To the regional final last year, uh, and played Villanova really hard for about 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when Villanova was on a mission and just destroying everybody, uh, and played Villanova as tough as anybody did last year. And, um, lost a ton of players, but re- overhauled it in a, in a big way. Two grad tra- impact grad transfers, Matt Mooney, a guard, uh, from South Dakota you know, who who has kind of gone from a big score to more of an all-around game, more of a playmaker, but still highly effective. And Tariq Owens, who, uh, you know, a 6'11 shot blocker, who gave, uh, from, you know, from St. John's, who's given Texas Tech a new dimension. Neither of those guys, you know, even though they're senior grad transfers and very good players, have ever played in the NCAA tournament. That was part of the sales pitch. Come to Tech. We'll get you in the tournament. We'll give you a chance to go deep. So expect those guys to be motivated. And Jared Clover is a lottery pick. He's, uh, you know, one of the best players, will go down as one of the best players in Texas Tech history. He's only a sophomore. He's a guy who can take over games. He's stepped up late. This is a team that won nine of their last ten. And. Um, yeah, uh, a little concerning with the turn you know, the Big Twelve tournament loss to West Virginia, but those things happen that time of year gets motivated teams looking ahead. I think that's probably a plus rather than a minus. I think uh um that's one of those things that will get tech's attention. I'm sure Beard has uh you know, just been all over his his seniors since then reminding them that they can't look past the northern kentucky even though northern kentucky's a 14 seed out of the horizon league uh, the team that shoots the ball real well but should be able to match up athletically plus tech by virtually every metric you want is the best defensive team in the country mm-hmm. they really lock you down uh, they're, they're physical and that should travel well in the tournament and the question is i think they you know, people are talking about a second-round matchup with Buffalo. I think they can handle Buffalo and uh, and get to the second weekend again and then potentially against Michigan, beeline runs an interesting offense. That would be a great matchup. But is Tech team that, you know, could get past Michigan? Could they give, you know, Gonzaga has a ton of talent, but Gonzaga really hasn't played anybody the last two months playing in the West Coast Conference. So, um, you know, if Tech comes out with that mindset, and that defense, you know, yeah, can, could it be a game? Yeah. Could it repeat to the Elite 8 being the offing? I think that's that's definitely a thing, and it's it's a tribute. I, uh, all of a sudden, Chris Bird has become a hot name in coaching, but he seems like he really likes coaching at Tech. He's not looking for the next job, and, and this could be, again, like they were last year, a really interesting story.
1: Now switch from them to Baylor. What do you like about them going into this tournament?
0: You have to admire the resiliency of this team. Uh, I mean, they lost Jake Lindsey, who was kind of a senior point guard, senior leader, even before the season ever began, uh, to kind of a a strange, muscle debilitating condition, of all things. He's actually retired now from basketball. He's going to come back and try to play. That's not going to happen. Tristan <laughs> Clark, who was a six-nine uh, a power forward, who was really coming into his own as a sophomore, uh, tears up his knee uh, in in January, and he's out. And this was a team that wasn't playing that well to begin with. Kind of Have them, reinvented themselves in terms of um, a small ball lineup. You know, three guards: Jared Butler, freshman guard, stepped into the lineup along with Mackay Mason, who was a grad transfer from Yale and King McClure, out the, and senior out of the Dallas area. And they went on a, a win streak, beat Texas Tech 1-6 straight, you know, their uh, fourth team out of the Big 12, but they just can't seem to overcome the, you know, the the injury bug. I mean, uh, Mason has been playing for the last month with, uh, with an injury toe, hasn't been the same guy he was before the injury. King McClure struggled with a knee injury, he, he's been there. They've had various, you know, Mike, uh, Mark Vidal, who's their big inside guy at 6'5", is dealing with, uh, you know, knee problems. There's up and down the lineup. There's just a whole lot there, but just when you count this team out, they'll do something like, oh, as they did in early February, go into Iowa State and mm-hmm. and, and win, and win fairly decisively. And um, interesting playing Syracuse, the two of the... Better-known zone teams in, in the country are Syracuse and Baylor. Syracuse, obviously, under Jim Boeheim and you know what he does with the one-three-one and, and that sort of thing, and, and just a ton of success. But Baylor's done that over the years. Now Baylor's played probably played more man-to-man this year than they have recently. They'll switch back and forth. But even Scott Drew has admitted that yeah, at like you know coaching clinics and conferences that over the years he sat down and talked zone defense with Jim. and and compare dotes on on how to do things. So, you know, yes, Baylor's is a little different from what Syracuse does, but the concepts are still the same. What they want to do is still the same. And I I think it's going to come down to, you know, uh, for Baylor, how well they can move the basketball. You have to almost try and, you know, go inside out. And and a guy like uh, Mason, how healthy is he? I mean, you know, at his best, he is a very good three-point shooter, a guy you can spot up, a guy who went for 31 when he was playing for Yale against Baylor in the NCAA tournament. And now is he that guy who can step up one more time and can he physically step up one more time? Can, uh, if you remember last year, Syracuse gave TCU fit uh, with his zone defense. Can, can Baylor solve Syracuse? And But I think it's still probably a first-weekend run. I just don't see um, – Baylor has the horses on the front line, even if they get by Syracuse, against a, a very talented Gonzaga team.
1: Well, and so we wrap up this uh, college basketball edition of our podcast on Ballsy this week. Chug, this is, seems like a good time to switch over to the Baylor women. I believe the – uh the bracket may have been leaked, but uh, everyone knows that uh, the the Baylor women are are a force to be contended with in this tournament. And uh, in a in a minute or so here, can you kind of wrap up uh, where they are and what their chances are to come away with the championship this year?
0: Yeah, the, the one thing for as good as Baylor's been, and they have, you know, their their streak of regular season Big Twelve championships just keeps building. Almost, you know, not quite to Kansas levels, but pretty close. Um, but this is probably their best chance to get back to a Final Four. And that's the one thing that has kind of hung over the program. Ever since uh, Baylor went 40 0, Brittany Griner's junior season just dominated the NCAA and uh, uh, had virtually everybody coming back and then lost in Oklahoma City to Louisville in an epic, you know, Sweet 16 uh, matchup. And Greiner went off on Kim Mulkey in the offseason, talking about, you know, there was a rift there between the star player and the, you know, Hall of Fame coach. And it's never quite been the same, quite honestly. And Baylor's fallen short in a whole lot of, um, you know, Elite Eight type things that were winnable, you know, against Notre Dame a few times, against um, a couple years ago. The final four was in Dallas. Uh, Vic Schaefer and Mississippi State took them down in a in a regional final. When everybody was penciling uh, Baylor into the final four again, I mean, this is a team that's big inside with six seven Kalani Brown, who's one of the best post players in the country, and Lauren Cox out of Flower Mound, six four power forward who was ranked as the the top high school player in the country. It's been She hasn't had instant startup, but she's really developed into a force this year in her junior season. Um, You know, and this, you know, can they hit enough outside shots? What about foul trouble? I do like the draw they got in the tournament. They avoided some teams that might be hard matchups. So uh, the question is, can Baylor get over the hump and get back to, you know, its first Final Four since its last championship?
1: Well, Chuck... Thanks so much for dropping on today again. I think it went much better without uh, the other two members of this podcast. Who there's really no need to talk about them at this point. So thank you very much, and I'm sure before the tournament is over, we'll uh, we would love to do it again.
0: Hey, no problem. Hopefully, we'll have something to talk about uh, oh. <laughs> that next week. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Maybe uh, there should be you. some
1: Texas teams around next week. Maybe at least one. We'll see. So Chuck, thanks be so much. Run. And that was this week's Ballsy Podcast on college basketball. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.